Somebody say praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, oh, glory. We know that the birth of the church that many, many of the apostles, many of the disciples were persecuted. Trouble came their way. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. They knew times of rest and times of blessing. But then about the time they got comfortable, about the time things seemed to be going their way a little bit, along come persecution. The persecution always seemed to work a work that would scatter the church and cause it to spread like wildfire. The persecution was a form of evangelism that you just couldn't match because people would get up out of their homes and they'd take this gospel to the next city. And they'd take this gospel to the next place. And some of them would stay there underground and some of them would stay and keep the faith right where they were. But a lot of them, they, fl they fled. They fled to another town. And what did that do? It spread the gospel to the next town. What did Jesus say? He said, Our glory he said, beginning first here at Jerusalem and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, at first, they weren't like we are today where they had jets taking the evangelists out to the jungles and going out and meeting all the people and going here, going there. And the known world, they all already have heard. They don't listen, but they've already heard. But we even translating it in most every language. I think it's 160-some languages we got it translated in now. Even primitive Tribes that you find still out in the nethermost parts of the world. Most of them, we've got their language translated. I got a good buddy of mine in Uganda. He's got a cell phone. They can't get mail there, I don't think. <laughs> but he's got a cell phone he can get on Facebook. And thank God he can. Because otherwise he'd be stranded in the middle of nowhere. and Couldn't hardly talk to nobody and find no help at all. But the Lord has blessed him. Technology is not bad, my friends. It's how you use the technology. If it wasn't for the technology, I couldn't talk to my friend in Uganda. I couldn't see him or know how he was doing or be able to talk to him at all. But thank God for technology. And Daniel, at the end of it, he says, knowledge will increase. He didn't say it was a bad thing. My Lord, God's able to do a lot more than our cell phones can do. He can talk to one person on one side of the earth at the same time, talk to another person on the other side of the, the earth. Omnipresent, omnipotent, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there will I be in their midst. Now, that's only one Lord, but somehow he manages to be in a whole lot of places at one time. I know that's right. As I was in church one time, and I, I've been wondering why we worship. I'm Pentecostal, just in case anybody had any doubt. But uh, Pentecostal, apostolic Pentecostal. One God, holiness, blood-bought, filled with the Holy Ghost. Ah, oh, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, Jesus. Believing in the Bible and the things that it says. Ah, oh, glory. And Isaiah said, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. Well, my friend, you can see him too if he so chooses. Now, he don't go around showing himself all the time. And 
I don't know why God chooses to show himself to one and not to another. I don't know why God chooses to speak to one and not to another. I really don't know. But Paul said to each man is good and perfect gift. We've all got gifts. We've all got things that God will give us and God will do for us. And spiritual gifts, my friend. God will bless your finances too if you ask him. And if you do right, he'll help you financially. He'll make sure you've got your ends met. He blesses mine when I'm doing right. And if I do wrong, he takes it away and shows me that I did wrong a lot of times. A lot of times God will use your finances if you... Depending on him, he'll use them to show you whether you're doing right or wrong sometimes. Now you say, oh, well, I know people, they're, they're just filthy rich and they don't love God at all. They're not his child. God don't, I told you in the last podcast, God don't go around correcting people that ain't his children. That's another day, my friend. That's the judgment of the unrighteous. That's the judgment of the wicked. That's the judgment of those that don't love God, don't know God, don't care about God. That's another day. But this day that you live in, and if you're a child of God, oh, glory, glory, glory. If you're a child of God and he corrects you, you'll be thankful because that means you have a father. That means you're a child of the living God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm happy. The Bible says rejoice when all things come upon you to correct you because God's just trying to pull you back to him, trying to take care of you, trying to make sure you don't stumble. If he, my brother-in-law, Bud, I've said this before. He told me, he says, Tom, I can't steal a piece of bubble gum. He says, God will make sure I get caught. That's a good thing. That's a real good thing. Because if you know you ain't going to get away with it, you ain't near as likely to try to pull it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. You know, the persecution spread the gospel. The persecution was hard. There was nothing fun about the persecution. They did horrible things to those people. There's nothing good about it except the fact that it spread the gospel. But you're going to find that a lot of times God sees the big picture. And God knows that even though you may have to endure on this world, endure on this earth, he knows that there's coming a day when he's going to be able to bless you and when you're going to be able to stand before him and things are going to be well with you and you're not going to have to worry about these things so much and God's going to bless you and bless your family. Oh, glory, if you got a family right now, I'm going to tell you parents right now, well, you better be serving God. You want to see your child face down in hell? You want to be laying beside him? You think it's bad enough that you're going to go to hell? <laughs> what if the Lord so chooses to allow your child to lay there beside you? Imagine that for a minute. Think about it. Oh, glory. You got every reason in the world to be living for God. You got a child. You got a child depending on you. And whether that child's living for God or not, you better believe he's watching you. No matter what he says, no matter what she says, no matter what they do, they're watching you. And it may be not be but the last year of their life. It might not be but just before they close their eyes. My daddy, my daddy was a wicked man. He's, he's good in a lot of ways. I loved my daddy. He was good to me, but he was a wicked man in a lot of ways. But before my daddy died, he said, Tommy, your way's right. He said, Tommy, your way's the best. And 
and he turned his heart to the Lord and he tried. I'm not one that believes that just because you say, Lord, forgive me just before you die, that you necessarily just on a clean slate there. I don't necessarily believe that. I'm sorry. Now, I do believe God can do that. I just don't always believe he does. Now, if you honestly, heartfelt, tears flowing, and, and yes, your heart's broken, I'd say you got a real good shot. But just like my dad, my dad, he wanted to repent, and he wanted to turn his heart to God, and he was trying. But after living a life of embitteredness and doing what you wanted to do and doing the things my dad did, and even though he was a decent man in a lot of ways, he did some bad stuff that I won't even get into. But that stuff just eats you alive. I had a dream one time. And I caught a fish. Well, I cut the fish open and there was another fish inside of that fish. And then I cut that fish open and it was full of worms. And it had my daddy's face on that fish. I told my daddy about it. This was long before he died. And he broke down in my arms and wept. He said, I know it, I know it, I know it. But my friend, he just couldn't quite seem to come to God. He just couldn't quite seem to do it. He had a good mother, godly woman. My granny was a good woman. I loved her to death. But my daddy just couldn't quite seem to do it. Just before he died, he did confess God. He did. He tried. He did. But after such a long life of wickedness, doing wrong, wrong heart, even though dad was good to a lot of people, he loved people. He did. If you was a right man, he'd treat you right. It didn't matter. White, black, it didn't matter. In between, Hispanic, it didn't matter. If you was a good, hardworking man and you was doing right, woman, He'd treat you right. But my daddy'd also kill you if he thought you wasn't. He was, he was a rough man. And it wasn't just in self-defense. My daddy just one of those people. He was one of those old Mississippi rednecks. He had a sense of fairness about him. But he also was one of those old Mississippi rednecks that hurt people. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. But if he thought you was a good man, He'd give you the shirt off his back and feed you. But enough about my daddy. I pray the Lord forgave him. I pray the Lord shows mercy to him. But what I'm trying to get at here is uh, half the truth can't save you. The half-hearted just can't go. It's all or nothing, my friend. The one that calls demands all. Jesus don't accept halfway. What did he say to that young man that come up and said, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll follow you. But let me go back and say bye to those that are in my house. And Jesus just looked at him and said, a man that looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. But he saw the man's heart. It wasn't just that he wanted to say bye to his mom and dad because Elisha ran back and did a couple things before he followed Elijah. But I guess he saw the man's heart. It was more like when Lot's wife looked back and she turned to a pillar of salt. Jesus mentioned that a couple times too. He said, remember Lot's wife, don't look back. What I'm talking about today is Satan. He came in and he tried to persecute the church. He tried to stamp it out with death and with horrors and with murder. That didn't work. It just spread like wildfire. Every time they would get persecuted in one city, they'd flee to the next and spread the gospel to that city. 
And every time trouble would come there, they'd flee to the next and the gospel would go to the next city. And in every city, it stayed there too. It didn't just flee. Some of them would flee and spread the word to the next city, but it stayed in that same city. So we see that it just kept growing. It just kept growing. So whenever, finally, I guess the enemy saw that he just couldn't stamp it out, what did he start doing then? He started preaching. Oh, yeah. Can't beat him, join him. The apostle Paul wrote that if Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light, how much more his ministers can be transformed into ministers of light. So he couldn't stamp out the church. He couldn't kill the church. All that seemed to do was make it grow like a forest fire, like a wildfire. So he started watering down the gospel. Welcome to the one we have today, the watered down gospel. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. That's that gospel that you got when you got time for it. That's that gospel you got when uh, your friend might happen to bring up the subject. That's that gospel you got when maybe Sunday you go to church. and That's that gospel you got when somebody else brings it up. My friend, every day of my life I generally have a shirt on with a cross on it and with the word of God on the back of it. I don't have to wait to make a discussion. When they see me coming, they know what's on my mind. Oh, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't want to have to wait for the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. I don't want to have to wait for the opportunity to let them know what's on my mind and let them know what I think and what I stand for and what I believe in. I just post it right all over me. I make myself a billboard. <laughs> ah, glory. That way there ain't no doubt. When I left that house, when I left that person, they had plenty ample time to read whatever was on my shirt. And I don't just, I have these shirts custom made, my friend. I got a good buddy of mine, Adam George, over at Alterations by George in Helena, Alabama. Real fair man. 15 bucks. I can get a shirt with anything I want on it. I got one that says, uh, if we were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? I got one that says, half the truth won't save you and a half-hearted can't go. I got another one that says, for God so loved the world. You can put whatever you want to on there. You can put a little mini sermon on there if you want to. And it's a good thing because that way when I walk up to somebody, when I walk through the mall, when I walk through someone's house, what do they see? They see the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there is another little trick there. You kind of need to live that way. <laughs> because if you're going around and you're living like a devil, you don't need to be <laughs> false advertising. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. But getting back down to what we were talking about, the watered-down gospel. The gospel is... <laughs> one preacher friend of mine put it, the gospel of money coming. Oh, glory. Don't get me wrong. I know God blesses finances. And every day I pray, every day, Lord bless my finances. I got bills to pay. But there's a difference between asking God to bless your finances to take care of your family and pay your bills and asking God to bless your finances so you can have a Learjet and so that you can be above your brethren and turning your heart cold when your brother has a need. Things of that nature. Now, I have to say no every now and then, and I don't like to. But sometimes I'm just broke. People ask me for money, and I just have to tell them straight up, I 
I got to pay my bills and I just ain't got nothing to spare. It happens. But if I'm able and if I think it's for anywhere near decent cause, I do everything I can to try to help somebody. And that's what we got to do. Because Jesus said, if a man asks of you, give to every man that asks of you. And him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Now, granted, you don't need to take your rent money and give it to somebody that's going to spend it on drugs. You know, give it to somebody that's just going to throw it away. Because there's plenty of people that try to borrow money from you that ain't going to do a thing in the world with it, but go gamble with it, go buy pot with it. They're going to go, yeah. And it was your bill money, you know. And here you, they'll tell you it was for food, but that's not where it's going. And if you know the person you're helping, then you know what they're doing with the money most of the time. So, I mean, there's, there's reasons for saying no sometimes. There's reasons to say yes sometimes. And there's people that I would go borrow money to help them if I could. And then there's other times when I just have to say no because I'm just not sure for the re real reason why they're asking. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, Jesus. But most of the time, if I've got the money and and I, I think there's anywhere a real reason, I, I'd go for it. If I'm able, you know, I try to help when I'm able. But you can't always do it. You've got to do the best you can do. Well, let's get off of that. Jesus said, come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For our Lord is not high-minded. He is one of resolve, unmoving, steadfast in righteousness. He always stands strong with the birth of the church the evil one tried to destroy it through persecution, but God allowed it and used it to spread the gospel. Wherever they went, they spread the word. They filled Jerusalem with their doctrine, the Pharisees said. They came and they spread it out to the ends of the earth, which is another prophecy Jesus gave. 2,000 years ago, that man, our Lord, our God, he stood there and he said, when this gospel is preached to the ends of the earth, then shall the end come. My friend, there ain't an end of this earth that it ain't already been preached to. So if Paul said, we of whom the ends of the world have come, where do you think that leaves us? If Paul said, we of whom the ends of the world have come and that we were in the last days, what does that put us in the last minutes? Oh, Lord God, Lord God. But yet and still it could be a hundred years because God's days are different in our days. God's times are different in our times can't go around afraid all the time. What you need to do is get in the work. Get in the work of spreading the gospel because that's important. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords, where do you always see him? You always see him when you're in the work. You always talk to him when you're in the work. He makes himself available to those that work for him. Ah, glory, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's not just about you being righteous. That's needful. It's not just about you being holy. That's necessary. It's not just about, ah, oh, glory, going to church. It's about inviting somebody to go with you. It's about talking to somebody about the Lord. It's about telling somebody about Jesus. It's about trying to help somebody live for him. It's about trying to spread the kingdom of God. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. King of kings and Lord of lords. Satan's greatest attack on the gospel was when he quit attacking. 
He started preaching deceit, watering down the truth until it had no effect. That's the biggest thing that destroys the gospel of Jesus Christ is when we make it worthless, when we count it as nothing. Paul said, they that count the gospel of the blood of Jesus Christ as nothing. How great a, ah, glory, how great a damnation have they brought upon themselves. You can't do that. You got to count it as holy and you got to count it as something having worth. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, it's not just a little conversation piece sometimes. It's not just a little sentiment that you have here and there like remembering a good grandmother. This is your life. This is your soul. This is your being. And they fell down and they threw down their crowns before the Holy One of Israel crying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. For what could they do? Ah, oh, Lord God, do you think they were just kind of sitting around at the table talking about the Lord? And he walked up and sat down and had a little conversation with him? No, not whole, not not quite. Every time it talks about him coming before the Lamb, and every time it talks about him coming before the throne of God, they throw down their crowns, they throw down their face on the ground, they, they cry, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, holy is the Lamb that was slain, holy is the Lord, ah, oh, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, Jesus, for we are wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. We have need to buy fine linen, the fine linen of the old Lord. Ah, glory. <coughs> Excuse me. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, and, and the Lord of the house, the king of the banquet. He told his servants, he said, go out and draw them in. He said, draw them into my house, maybe full, because those that I called, they weren't worthy. They wouldn't come. So they ain't going to get a chance to come again. It's just over with for them. But go and find them. Just go out in the streets and draw them in. Bring them in that my house may be full. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. But once he'd filled the house, once he'd got everybody in there, he came in and inspected the ones that had come in. And he saw a man there and he didn't have a wedding garment on. And you know what that wedding garment is, don't you? It says that the white linen is the righteousness of saints. It is the holiness. It is the holiness, the righteousness of saints. Ah, oh, glory. That's how you get the wedding garments, my friend. It's walking in righteousness. It's walking in truth. It's living the gospel. Living the gospel. Not just talking about it, but letting it be a part of your life. Ah, oh, glory. And when he saw the man that didn't have a wedding garment on, he said, friend, how'd you get in here? He said, how did you get in here without a wedding garment on? How did you get in here living a life like that? How did you get in here? And he looked at those about him. He said, cast him out into the outer darkness. Throw him out. He may have made it in, but he ain't staying. Oh, Lord God, Lord God. You better start to understand a little bit about the Lord that you serve. He's holy. He's righteous. And nothing that offends shall enter that city. Ah, oh, glory. Now, don't get me wrong, people. Jesus loves the sinner. Jesus loves the cast down. But that's right now. Jesus loves us now. But when you get to that place, you best have got that sin out of your life by then. You best have come and repented. Because it says it's not the will of God that any perish, but all come to repentance and eternal life. So where's that unconditional thing now 
I always hear about the unconditional love of God, and I'll say it once, and I'll say it again. God's love may be unconditional, but his salvation is not. What did Peter say when they said, men and brethren, what should we do? He said, repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ah, glory. And it wasn't just a little thing. They thought they was drunk. They thought, ah, glory. And Peter said, no, they ain't drunk. It ain't but nine in the morning. He said, no, they ain't drunk yet. They drunk all right, but it ain't with wine. Ah, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords. And then we see a little while later on down in the 19th chapter of Acts, Paul came upon certain disciples. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And, and they said, we have not even so much heard as there they'd be a Holy Ghost. <laughs> ah, glory. Because while the gospel may have been spreading like wildfire, it wasn't always spreading in accuracy and truth. <laughs> a lot of people was getting a little bit like Apollos. He was out preaching, preaching on fire. And Priscilla and Aquila had to call him aside and teach him how to preach a little better because he wasn't exactly telling the whole story. He's telling what he knew in the gospel of John the Baptist. But Aquila and Priscilla pulled him aside and he got the full story. And when Paul saw those certain disciples and they said they had not even so much as heard as whether they'd be a Holy Ghost in the 19th chapter of Acts, check it out. First thing he says, how then were you baptized? Oh, so baptism makes a difference. They said we were baptized under John's baptism. He said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that believe on him which should come. But it says that Paul baptized him again in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Ah, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, mighty God of Israel. Ah, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us now, Jesus. Bless now, Lord. And then it says he laid hands on them and prayed for them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues and prophesied. For the Bible says that the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of prophecy. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. Now, I don't mean everybody needs to be going around trying to prophesy on everything. You can end up getting yourself in trouble with that. You need to make sure God's telling you that, and it's not just you. But yes, it says the Spirit of Christ is a spirit of prophecy. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, but it's not at our will. This is His will when He brings it on, when He gives it to us. O oh, Lord of heaven and earth, King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us now, Jesus. Bless now, Lord, save now, Father. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. What did Jesus say to Jerusalem? He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest those that are sent to you. That's not just talking about that city. It's talking about the children of God, wherever they may be. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, but there's just something about the city, something about Jerusalem, the holy city. But we know that in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus said, I go away to let not your hearts be troubled. I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And then we see at the very end of Revelations, 
when he brings that place he went away to build and I, John, saw the holy city, Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, let down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God. Now when that happens, all the trouble's gone. Satan's cast into the lake of fire. All the children of wickedness are gone, and the ones that have made it are children of the living God. There's peace, and no one hurts anymore. There is no more pain and no more sorrow. And it says he shall wipe every tear from their eye. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, Jesus. We're going to close with that today. But remember, half-heartedness, the half-hearted cannot go. Half the truth just can't save you. You need Jesus, my friend, and you need the whole gospel. You don't need the watered-down gospel, the one that those that have want to preach to you, the ones that just trying to make sure you don't run off nowhere. My friend, if you can't handle the truth, you ain't likely to be saved anyway. Sad but true. And even if you can, if I don't tell you the truth, may not ever hear it. The Apostle Paul wrote, How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except he's sent? And if he's sent, he's going to tell you the truth. Now, there's a whole bunch of preachers out there just want you to stay in their church and just want you to keep paying your tithes every Sunday. And they're just trying to build a church and they're not always doing it intentionally. They just don't want to offend nobody because they don't want to run nobody off because nobody wants to stick around and listen to the truth. But my friend, I'm sorry. I just believe it is better to tell you the truth. If you don't preach perfection, if you don't preach the truth, if you don't tell things that are right, how can you expect people to be saved? If I speak the truth to a hundred people and ten are saved, at least ten are saved. If I speak watered-down gospel to a hundred people and only five of them figure out that I'm full of it and go seek the truth somewhere else, I haven't helped anything at all. If anything, I've kept people from being saved. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords, open our hearts, our minds, our ears. The Bible says that the God of this world blinded their eyes. Let's say would have believed the truth, would hear the truth, and would turn their hearts to God and be saved. Buy the truth and sell it not, my friend. It says a certain man found a treasure in a field. He didn't just go in there and rob the field for the treasure and run off with it. He went and bought the field. My friend, Jesus and salvation is that treasure. The Holy Ghost is that treasure. The field's the church. The field's the children of the living God. The field's everything that goes along with salvation. You got to take it all. And sometimes helping your brother and blending in with the church and trying to help people that you just really don't like. <laughs> trying to be friends with others when you really just don't want to be around them. But somehow, some way, you just got to ask God to help you love the unlovable. Help you love those that just offend you all the time. And oh Lord, 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 if I've offended you, please love me and forgive me because I hadn't done it intentionally. 
I'm just trying to help save your soul. Lord bless you. Lord keep you. And may the love of God fill your hearts. And that the salvation of the Holy One of Israel keep you. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord bless. I love you. Jesus loves you.